0: Hello and welcome. I'm Anthony Shudra, and this is the Only Lore Warhammer podcast. There have been many video games, books, and other material themed in the Warhammer 40,000 universe, but today's episode will be about the history of the original war game of Warhammer 40,000, as well as answering the driving question, how might we use stories to understand the causes and consequences of World War II? I should probably start out with the term war game, because war games have an interesting history which leads up to games like Warhammer today. To start off, let's talk about what a war game is. A war game is a type of strategy game that simulates warfare. These games can be played for fun, but are also used by real world militaries. They've been around for a long time too, one of the earlier examples being Kriegspiel. Kriegsspiel was a game created by Prussian Lieutenant George Leopold von Rieswitz and his son in the early 1800s. The game takes place on a map and uses colored tiles to represent armies. Then players take turns controlling their armies to complete objectives. It was a useful training tool, and the game became popular among officers in the Prussian military. Eventually the Kaiser ordered a copy for each of his regiments, Making it one of the first war games to be endorsed by a country's military. The rules and game pieces for Kriegspiel are still produced today, and it has many similarities to newer war games, like hit points, movement factor, rules for ambushes, and more. However, not all war games were made for real war. There were also several early war games that were made for fun, and share more similarities with the modern wargaming hobby. One of these games was Little Wars, a book written by H.G. Wells in 1913. The first half of the book details how he created the game with his friend while they were looking at his children's toy soldiers. They ended up developing a rule system where they would take turns moving, shooting, and fighting. The rules section of the book is quite similar to modern wargaming rulebooks and encourages the reader to try the game, which you can. The book is still in print and there are no specific models that you need to play it. However, back on the military side of things, wargaming was starting to heat up again. After World War I, the US Navy had suffered several budget cuts, making it more difficult for them to conduct training exercises. This would have been a big problem, but a man named William McCarty Little had introduced wargaming to the US Naval College years ago. He had been inspired by Kriegspiel, and he worked with the second president of the Naval College to make a graph system to represent battles. This made it much cheaper to train officers, and very soon they would need that training. The Japanese had been invading colonies in the Far East since 1940, but they had never launched a direct attack on a major world power. This changed in late 1941, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, bringing America into the war. Today I have Dr. Hal Friedman, who has written books on the subject, with me to discuss how these war games ended up impacting the war and why they continued to use them.
1: Hi, I'm Hal Friedman, I'm the Associate Chair of History at Henry Ford College in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, I'm also the Recording Secretary of the Society of Military History, Uh, and a couple of years ago I completed a trilogy on the U.S. Naval War College as it transitioned from the Pacific War to the Cold
0: War. So, why do you think the U.S. military started using war games?
1: Future adversaries, Um, the ability to study historical battles in case aspects of them are repeated uh, against your country uh, later on, uh, sort of anticipating strategic and tactical threats. And then I think also what starts developing is the ability to educate and train mid-grade naval officers commanders and captains for flag rank as admirals by putting them in command situations that you can't out in the fleet because the ships are too expensive, the fuel is too expensive there's too great a risk of of damage or destruction or loss of life in simulation. Better to be able to simulate it on you know a, a, a basketball arena floor um Fake ships and, and fake fleets, and so on and so forth. But the ability to literally to throw officer students into these situations where they're in command and they have to make these kinds of decisions. How do they do that when they're under pressure? When a naval decision might wind up being a national, at national importance, and and maybe even simulate. how do people make decisions when? They've been up for 15 hours or 20 hours and haven't had enough to eat or haven't had enough to drink or, you know, whatever the conditions of, of the war are. And I think, I think that's why eventually, know, all the services, eventually started wargaming and those kinds of things, to try to simulate war conditions as much as possible without going to war or being at
0: war. What kind of impact do you think War Games made on the outcome of the war in the Pacific, and just World War II in general?
1: that we encountered in the Pacific War except for the kamikazes. I wouldn't say it's very accurate, but what the Naval War College helped do is create a cadre of admirals who had been through enough simulations and they're getting information on foreign navies and feeding it to the fleet the Naval War College and the Navy General Board
0: well Hal thanks for coming on to the podcast
1: ok thanks for having me on
0: So yes, wargaming proved itself to still be a valuable training tool, which helped change the outcome of the war in the United States' favor. The US Naval War College continued to do wargames after the war ended, but they moved on to computer simulations as opposed to the old models and charts. However, traditional wargaming carried on, and several tabletop recreational wargames started to get popular. One of these games was Warhammer Fantasy. It came out in 1983 and was the first Warhammer game. The game was based in a fantasy world with dwarves, elves, demons and more. The characters were in model form and the goal would be to amass an army to build, paint and play with. The actual game consisted of taking turns to move your troops around, complete objectives and destroy your opponent's army. The game went through several editions and its popularity spawned another game, Rogue Trader. Released in 1987, it was actually the first edition of Warhammer 40,000, just under a different name. The game was similar in models and gameplay to Warhammer Fantasy, but it quickly began to differentiate itself by its second edition, renaming the game Warhammer 40,000. The game went through 9 editions as of 2020, and evolved over that time into the game it is today. So, in conclusion, Wargaming has taken a surprisingly long time to evolve into games we enjoy today, like Warhammer. It has proven itself to be effective at providing a tactical advantage, especially in the Second World War, and continues to do so today. And for my answer to the driving question, I think stories like these help us understand the war by looking at new aspects or perspectives that we don't think about too often. Thanks for listening to this episode of Only Lore. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing and stay tuned.